Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. I am Nate, and I like cats. I have two. Their names are Mingo and Reggie. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review, particularly if you like what you hear. I can tell from the download numbers, some of you are very quiet internet lurkers. Give me a hand, spread the word. Okay, let's get into it. Last time on Carrots and Suffering... It's a detective story as our characters arrive in Highlock to find a difficult situation with bandits attacking merchant barges on the river between the lock systems. But this has set the city on edge in a strange way. The lock fee that you pay to have the lock opened historically guarantees you protection from banditry. Everyone pays the lock fee. And as a result, everyone is safe. So it's entirely possible that there is a labor dispute between the Southern Lock and the Northern Lock, and one of them is breaking the long-standing agreement. It's also possible there's a third group trying to get in on the racket. Our heroes follow up on their first potential lead, the local priest of Divine Hammer, the god of engineering and innovation. An, an old man opens the door. He's kind of covered in grease, like he's clearly a still apparently works on the lock and uh, he has a pair of like coveralls on and says ah welcome uh what can i do for you folks today are you here to pay homage to divine hammer you are melbourne grace street our heroes continued to meet kaima the axe and mary Rieske, the heads of the northern lock operators engineering guild also known as the badgers and you see a woman that you assume is mary probably in her late 30s looks up and says, so, visitors, Kaima, uh, anything you want to offer? And Kaima says, they're going after the bandit. She says, oh, good, please, come in. How can I help? Let's get into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. Hi, I'm Mandy. I play Blaine, the death cleric. I am Claire. I play Creedon, the goth warlock with a Care Bear stare. Hi, I'm Robert. I play Zerus, the uh, lawyer of the gods. I could see Mary seeing an opportunity to take over leadership of the town should Chester be toppled. Mm -hmm. I can see a motive there for sure. I feel like everybody's got motives, though. She and Chester might be also on in cahoots on, like, the upper and lower ground workings of this town, so, uh, or the upper and underground workings on this town. Like, they, they might have some kind of arrangement. See, if she wants this to end, I could see that arrangement is sort of under threat here, and the benefits she roots from it are under threat, so. Um, all right. Do we want to do anything else here before we take Kaima out for beer? <laughs> Let's head to the bar. All right. So you head to the nearest bar. This bar seems to be frequented mostly by dock workers, which is how you know the booze is fairly cheap. Mm. But she takes you in, and it's full. It's chock full. Like, there's a lot of people who have loaded boats a long time ago and are waiting for them to leave. People have idle time right now because of the, the bottleneck that's happening. And so she takes you to the back where there's a table of sort of two men and two mm. women who are definitely mercenary types. They're wearing leather armor. They have knives. They have crossbows. And they are drinking, and there's several empty mugs in front of each of them. How worn does the armor look? Pretty worn. doesn't look worn in the sense that like they've been through a lot of battles, 
but it looks worn in the sense that they've worn this armor for years. Boulain says, we would like to buy everyone a round, if you're amenable. They look up and they're like, yeah, we'll take a round. It costs you okay. negligible. <laughs> oh, cheap booze here. Cheap booze. Uh, when you taste it, you'll know why. Oh. <laughs> Is there anything nicer I can buy myself? Not here. Oh, I thought that this place was prosperous. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't pick the merchant's bar. Oh. Kaima didn't pick up the merchant's bar. <laughs> Kaima took you to the dock worker's bar. So we heard you have a few stories to tell, handing them the answer. Yeah, yeah, no, we're full of them. Which one have you got in mind? Gullwing? So, we're boating along, it's getting dark. It just so happens that if you boat about a day down, you take off in the morning, you get to the rapids right about dark. So we didn't want to go to the rapids because we were like, well, that's, that's a problem. We want the rapids to happen in the daylight. So we stop a little ways up stream. We throw down the anchor. We sit through the night and it's all quiet. Everything's fine. Somebody sees a gator. Normal stuff for the swamp. First thing in the morning, we pull up anchor and we start. And this fog rolls in. Just like out of nowhere. Just this rolling fog. Weirdest thing I've ever seen. Because it has like... It's a small fog. It's not like a big weather. Front. It's like a just a concentrated fog. And out of this fog, right when it hits the boat, come these canoes just out of nowhere, right? And, th and then they're, they're basically they're touching the boat at that point. Like, we're too late to open fire on them. They're touching the boat. And so we run to grab crossbows, and we're pointing them over the side. And behind us is this six-foot-tall dude. He's got leather armor. He's got a bandana over his face. He's got a big floppy hat like a friggin' pirate. <laughs> and he's got a beautiful bow with this, like, silver arrow. And he says, Hylock is corrupt, and you are pawns in a bigger game. We will end it all now. We will tear down the corruption. And you will give me your goods. And, you know, we're kind of like, well, this is bad. We're surrounded. We've got people in canoes behind us. We've got this guy with a bow now who can apparently, like, just appear. So we're all kind of standing there like, what do we do? What do we do? Charlie charges him. And then just like snap of the fingers. It's like it's like Charlie swings the sword at him and the saber just like it maybe it touches him and boom, he's gone. He's just gone like he was never there. Hmm. Two breaths go by. And an arrow appears out of nowhere, just in Charlie's eye. Hmm. Man goes down, that's the end of Charlie. Frankly, I never see the guy again, but we hear from the, the canoes like, hey, load the stuff in and I mean at that point there's it's four versus 12. We're surrounded. They've got a guy who's somewhere with a bow and arrow who's a real good shot. We just we just loaded the canoes and sent them on their way. And then you came back here. Well, we were on our way here. Mm. Was the Gullwing Bandit port or starboard? Starboard. And was the arrow in Charlie port or starboard? Uh, to be honest with you, it was a little foggy. Fair enough. Magic fog and illusions. Sounds like a vampire afoot. Sorry, I couldn't help but make a straw joke. Okay, continue. And you said he wore armor like yours? Yeah, I mean, basically anybody who fights on the boats isn't going to wear anything metal. So he just had leather. Sure, but yours has clearly seen a lot of use. Oh, no, his armor was nice. 
ornate or new or both little of both honestly like i it was pretty it was pretty nice armor and that all around the table they're all nodding yeah no it was it was really nice armor were there any symbols or signs of them belonging to anywhere with that armor no no nothing like that no it was just it was just really nice armor and a really nice bow well, I will say, uh, to to just Boulain and uh, and Zerus, I'll I'll say. Well, I don't think that Chester would be in league with someone actively calling his town corrupt. I I'm less convinced that they may be aligned, unless it's a two man con job. It's possible, but I I don't know. Sowing sowing dissent in your own town when you already have a good thing going seems a little. See, it seems like an odd decision to make. It doesn't seem like he's wanting for anything currently. It does seem counterproductive. And you said yourself, it seemed like, you know, Brother Ambition may not be with him anymore, and to do something like this would be some kind of ambition. So Kaima is still talking to these guys over the table. So, you know, I'm not promising you anything here, but if you wanted a little revenge, you know, we might be taking a boat out. You guys up for it? And they're like, yeah, sure, why the fuck not? How many did you say were in these canoes, including the, the bowman? It was not in the canoe, but... Yeah, well, it was really weird. It was like thick fog. Like, I pretty... There's at least two guys on each canoe. And how many? And there canoes? was at least three canoes. But, like, again, this fog, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. So it seems that we should take a crew that will at least match their numbers. Yeah, I mean, so there was at least seven, probably more. Well, seven seems pretty reasonable. <laughs> yeah, seven seems like a pretty because there's like there's four there's four of them there's Kaima and there's three of us, right? Yeah, I mean that's eight of you mm -hmm. altogether. I mean Kaima's not officially coming, but she's totally coming. <laughs> mm -hmm. Being a sailor, how what's the best method to get into grips with those in canoes around our larger boat? Kaima says, "Well, I'm not really a sailor, but I've done some boat to boat combat." So the canoes are a little lower. That means if anybody wants to get into your boat, they have to scramble. So you want to start off with a crossbow. Probably not a bear, a bow and arrow, but a crossbow. So that leaves you loaded and ready to bear. You're going to want a backup saber. How deep is the water there? Oh, man. Thanks to the locks, 14, 15 feet. Do we have canoes at our disposal as well? Kaima says we can make canoes be at our disposal. I think I think one of those would be a good idea. I think being on the boat is the bad move and being able to like come around behind do a pincer attack yeah I, I feel like having the big boat there as the lure and then having at least one canoe maybe two or three be able to come in once they show up i'll tell you what it's gonna take me till tomorrow morning to get a bunch of fake boxes loaded on a boat so tomorrow morning i will have two canoes and a boat ready to go you guys show up tomorrow morning, they all nod. You got between now and tomorrow morning to decide what you want to do with your two canoes. We don't have to take them if you don't need them. Great. Well, I'm thinking if we can get into the fog with a canoe, we can figure out where they go. Yeah, that could work. If we really want to know where they are going, we could pretend to join them. Kaima says, all right. I mean, if you want to try that. Yeah, this seems like a rather closed operation. <laughs> they seem to know when trade caravans leave this area, so... Yeah. Hmm. Somebody around here's got to know something. They must be getting in and out of the town somehow. Probably. So maybe one thing we could do tonight is try to find people coming in and out from that direction. See what they do, who they talk to. I mean, 
we've tried that and not been very successful. I'll tell you what, there's a there's a guard lieutenant who's been in my way. His name is uh, Karn Bardish. And if you can find Lieutenant Bardish, he seems to be preventing me from finding good information on my own. Where is he typically stationed? He wanders the town. He's a lieutenant, so he gets to set his own shift and his own routes. But he's like late 20s, paladin of brother ambition. One of those like hot-blooded kids, too. And what do we do when we find him again? I can't confirm this, but I think he knows something about this Goldwind Bandit. All right. I think he might know something about how he's getting information in and out of town. What was this person's name? Karn Bardish. Khan Bardish. Khan, like Wrath of Khan? Yes. Okay. Sounds like a delicious meal. It does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he might be a delicious meal. You'll have to go meet him. <laughs> All right. That's good information. I think we've got everything that we need here, unless there are more questions. Bulain, okay. you look like you're contemplating. Well, I'm thinking we have we have one night to follow up on several leads and I know like splitting the party is the big no-no <laughs> but I wonder if, if we could if we could hit up some of the different leads and cover more ground <laughs> I am very interested in this Cumberdish because not only may they apparently be a delicious dish <laughs> but also it would make sense for somebody affiliated with or wait was he was this one also a brother ambition or was this mm-hmm. one this is a brother ambition paladin yeah so it makes sense that perhaps the fallen out of favor brother ambition paladin maybe like there there might be more active brother ambition worshippers looking to punish slash topple the now passive paladin's regime that makes a lot of sense to me Sure. I want to follow up on that trap door. I want to try to find out more about it in uh, Melbourne's cottage. <laughs> Who's the sneakiest for that? Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sadie's a good... That's great. <laughs> Put a bird on it. Put a bird on it. <laughs> That's a, the Portland solution. <laughs> Robert, is there, is there a lead you're looking to follow up in particular? Do you want to talk to the... Uh, Birdie and Connor are the two that the I'm bird. interested in, but... It sounded like Birdie maybe we should talk to after. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know the order. Con maybe before, but Birdie, I think I think we can follow up on after. Maybe Birdie's being protected by Con. Maybe. I mean, uh, he's probably involved in it, right? Well, he's absolutely involved. <laughs> I mean, directly in her protection. Mm. Mm-hmm. My vote would for the last scene tonight would be the trapdoor, just because that's fresher on the mind. Boulaine would like to go to the shrine on the pretense of paying her respects and homage to Divine Hammer. And... On the way there, she is going to instruct Sadie. She says, I would like you to try to get a vantage point to see in the window at that trap door. And I want to know if Melbourne goes down it and what you can see. So Sadie flies up to the window Mm -hmm. and the carpet is actually pulled off of the trap door. Mm. Trap door is closed, but there is no sign of Melbourne inside. Okay. We're all... Kneeling in the shrine of the Divine Hammer, pretending to pray. I'm not pretending. 
Oh, you're not pretending. Okay. <laughs> I am pretending to pray while she's watching what Sadie sees because she's she's looking through her eyes, which means she can't see you. And she describes what she sees and she says, Do we want to try to investigate this further? It seems he is not in the upper level of his cottage. He may very well be below. Well, that makes it a little more dangerous to try to investigate then. I think I'll take a walk around. See if there's any guards or anything around. Just see what the night's like. The night is calm. There is a military presence in this town at all times. So you'll see guard patrols easy peasy. I'm mostly removing myself from any decision making. Involving breaking and entering. <laughs> As you should. Would it, does Creedon want to go just knock on his door again? Yeah, do you, would you like me to go attempt to distract him? I'm following your plan here. I mean, I can just go ask him like further follow-up questions. Yeah, I'm thinking if if he comes up to that trap door and and leaves it open, she might be able to send Sadie in to check it out and come back. <laughs> it's possible. I feel like it's likely he would close it again. But yeah, I'll I'll just go knock on the door. It's like if you get him out of the house, so she can oh, go yeah. in and go down there, and then and and Blink could see what she sees while she's while she's doing that. It's dicey. Yeah, sure. I mean, most people. Would invite you in to chat like we did before, but I will, uh, yeah, I'll go knock on his door and, uh, and see if I can, I'll kind of, like, call, call through the door some. Say, uh, Sir Gray Street, are you, are you around? I, I had some further questions for you about, about the lock problems. There's no immediate answer. Sadie can tell you through the window that the, the trap door opens. Mm. Gray Street sort of meanders out. Closes the trap door and kicks the rug over. Mm-hmm. Does he look annoyed? <laughs> not, not really. Like he, she's taking his time though. And finally, the door opens, and he's standing there and says, "Oh, you're back. What can I do for you?" Oh, yes. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask some follow-up questions. You know, we're trying to be really thorough with our investigation before we. You know, do do our next moves here. I don't particularly want to actually do a bunch, but I'd probably ask him about, you know, more about Mary and about... Wait, we're both of the... So it's Mary Soft Touch and also Mary Reeski. Are they both named Mary? Did I write that down wrong? I have one as Mary and the other is Marie. (laughs) One is Mary and one is Miri. Miri, okay. That's... I wrote down M-A-R-I. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> one of them is M A R Y, and one of them is M I R I. Okay. 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 Way to that's be confusing. confusing. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I would like just ask more about Mary and Miri, and maybe a bit about Khan. He says, "Cool. Do you want to come in for some tea?" Or... Oh, actually, I was I was hoping I could uh, I could take you out for a drink at the end while we were discussing this. Like, can I roll persuasion? Roll me persuasion. Okay. 22. Yeah, you know, I'm thirsty. Let's go get a drink. I can tell you all about my my little Kaima and her uh, her partner. I will fall on this sword of listening to this old man speak at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. He tells you he tells you some great stories. Oh, okay. He's actually interesting. Teaching them lock things and how to fish and Oh god. You know, he's a, he's a really nice guy. What are you doing, Belaine? Belaine is going to wait for them to head into town into the pub and then she's going to get up and find Sadie and I guess she's slipping in a window, checking out a trap door. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the windows are locked. So I think you can pull one open and slide in. Give me a stealth roll. Okay. That is not one of my skills at all. 
Oh, at God. all. That was a one. <laughs> Great. Oh, my God. <laughs> I handed you this on a silver platter. I know. You did. You did great. <laughs> you crack the window open and you slide in. You walk over to the trap door. Pull it open. And then you hear from the window, Hey! <laughs> and you turn and there's two city guard. Hmm. Who apparently watched you crawl through a window. Um, this is great. <laughs> she inside or outside? She's inside. She's inside. Quick, down the trap door. <laughs> oh god, what does she do? <laughs> well, wellness check. I think the old man died. That's a good idea. He's like 70. Yeah, he is an old man. Uh, she says, um... I, I believe the man who lives here may have fallen down. Deception. Roll me deception. Oh, that's not bad. That's a 16. <laughs> You're so kind for not giving disadvantage on that She one. says, my, 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 <laughs> raven, my raven friend caught my attention as she was looking in the window, and I, I got here just in enough time to see someone fall, and then the door closed, so I'm... I am I am sorry I came in uninvited, but I am concerned. They seem to be giving you the benefit of the doubt here, but as they walk over to the front door and open it, it was also not locked. Walk in with their hands on their hilts and kind of stride up to you. One of them looks down this trap door, and it, there's a ladder. It goes down five, six feet to a room. And he sort of looks down and says, Oh, it's kind of dark down there. We have like a candle or something? I can see in the dark. Oh, okay. Well, what do you see? What does she see? <laughs> you poke your head down there. There is a small living quarters here and a little kind of chapel set up. Appears to have like two pews total. There's a big visible shrine to Mask, the god of trickery. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but there's no one down here. Certainly not a fallen old man. Right. She says, well, I apologize gentlemen there doesn't there does not seem to be anyone down there i do not know what i saw roll me one more deception roll. <laughs> i could have sworn i saw someone fall down oh they're not gonna buy that one that's a four <laughs> <laughs> so they look at each other and they're like okay this could be a misunderstanding but unfortunately we're gonna have to wait for mr gray street to come back uh, to confirm Ooh. this, and because we don't know where he went, in the meantime, I think we are going to have to take you into custody. All right. So you get escorted <laughs> to the jail. <laughs> I thought I would be the one that ended up in jail. <laughs> she thinks to Sadie, please find Zerus. <laughs> Welcome to the mid-roll. So... This seems like a good time to offer tips about maintaining a sense of justice, cause and effect, and consequences in a world presumably built for and featuring your heroes, regardless of how heroic they are or are not. There's a term floating around on the internet that we know and love, which is the murder hobo. It describes people who travel from place to place, killing things and avoiding any consequences for their actions, even feeling incredulous when consequences come. Let's set aside the derogatory nature of the use of the word hobo for a moment, because if we're going to make something the butt of a joke, why not punch up instead of down? I'm going with murder playboy. Moving on. Games can often devolve into consequence-free violence and crime, and this can regularly be a thorn in the side of a dungeon master who wants to tell some kind of story. 
I'm not going to tell you how to deal with this after it's happened. I'm going to tell you how to prevent this. Players are human beings with normal human sensitivities who make it through real human lives all the time, every day. The more realistic the game, the more human the interactions your NPCs have, and the world you build together with your players, the more realistic and the more human your player characters will become. This is because humans empathize with other humans. Another fun fact from child psychology, inconvenience is a greater deterrent than abject punishment. People learn to avoid punishments rather than the behaviors that lead to them. Inconvenience, however, comes with lessons. It's a clear association of, if this, then that. You can do whatever you want, but you must be prepared for the difficulty that comes from that decision. All of this leads me to five key pieces of perpetual advice to be deployed before your game is out of control. 1. Follow the mechanics consistently. Consequences are far more fair when they come from clearly failed roles. It isn't you, the DM, that's making this hard for the player. You are just interpreting the results of random events which the player chose. They chose to pursue them, and they did it with the understanding of potential failure. 2. Focus on realism. Yes, this is a fantasy game with magic. The idea of realism is a little silly, but maybe a better word is humanism. Every fantasy story is actually a tale of what it means to be a human. Even if there are no humans in the world, we're living, breathing social creatures, and we will act like it when confronted with that reality. How would a real human being react in this situation? Not a comic book fantasy of a real human being. This is how we decide what NPCs do. 3. Look for ways to be on your player character's side. Notice I didn't say the player. We are telling a story. The player characters are protagonist, however unlikely or tragic they may be. How can we tell a tale that gets them back on track, puts them in a redemption arc, makes them sympathetic to a casual listener? The faster the better. 4. Explain yourself. Talk out loud, reason out your choices where people can hear you, and let the players engage with you in the conversation. We're telling a story together, so talk about what would be the best for the story out loud. You're modeling exactly how you want players to think. Here's a quick example. A one while sneaking into a window? I think somebody sees you, probably tells the guards. Maybe it's even a guard. So I guess you better move quick and come up with some excuses, right? Lastly. If the players make bad choices anyway, tell them the consequences ahead of time and let them choose. So yeah, you can kill this farmer right in front of the city guard. The odds of you surviving this encounter with a guard? Probably mediocre. The odds of another adventuring party being paid to investigate are very high, and they're very likely to be dangerous. If you do this, the player is choosing the kind of story they want for their character and accepting the downsides of their choices. They may be choosing okay, I'm going to do this for this character. It's what they would do, it's an epic tale, and they will die. I'll make a new character. Also, they have a chance to suggest things that are realistic to help tell the story, or back down because it's not the kind of story they really wanted to tell. Always take it back to the idea of this omnipotent person. Omnipotent? Omnipotent? Always take it back to the idea of this person not at the table. They're sort of reading this book they found. It's not about you. It's not about the player. It's about this thing you're creating. All right. 
Let's get back into it. Boulaine, you arrive at jail. <laughs> you get kind of unceremoniously plopped down in a in a cell that just has a bench and a bucket, mm -hmm. and the door is closed. Okay. The guards wander away, and a man walks up to the bars almost immediately and puts an elbow up on the bar, kind of leans nonchalantly towards you and says, So, are you uh, Chester's new flunky? Or... I would just as soon ask who you are. Con Bardiche, Lieutenant Con Bardiche. Ah, I had heard your name tossed around earlier tonight. Oh, well, great. I'm a, I'm a local cleric of Brother Ambition, and I would argue the only cleric of Brother Ambition here in Highlock. I see. So you and Chester are not on even terms. Chester's the boss temporarily. I fully intend to take over for him. For him, or against him, or... I'm sure he'll retire sooner or later. So, here's what I'm trying to actually figure out. Are you a patsy for Chester, or are you actually, like, got some clout from the capital? Neither from column A, neither from column B. Okay, interesting. You're like a private private contractor, a little, little mercenary, is that what you are? Uh, am I little? Littler than me. <laughs> I am here with a group called the Dark Arbiters, and we were sent to see about a labor dispute. <laughs> labor dispute is that is that what is that what they're calling it? That was the phrase we were handed. Yes. Great. That's that's rich. Anyway, Chester's going to be here any minute to probably bust you out in person because he's got this loyalty thing that he does. I am very curious to know what you would call. The thing going on. So the lock operators are basically the Thieves Guild, have been for about 100 years. They run a protection racket, and they steal from anybody who doesn't pay the fee. Almost everybody pays the fee these days, because Chester's in on it now, too. All the money flows up to Chester. And someone's decided to put a stop to it. Frankly, I think it's a good thing. What is your take on the Gullwing Bandit? Who, who are they? He's, uh, he's fighting fire with fire. Breaking the law to remove the lawbreakers, as you will. He's a, he's a hero. He's like a, one of those fabled heroes of old. You admire him? I mean, a little bit. I think he's a little too... What's the word I'm looking for? Naive? I mean, come on. He's... There's no universe where he's, this is going to keep going, right? <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm looking for an opening to take down a Thieves' Guild or two thorn in your side? No, I mean, I, I need to make a name for myself here, right? And uh, if I can expose what's going on here, the corruption in my mist, I won't be Con Bardiche Guard Lieutenant anymore. You have great aspirations for yourself, I see. I prefer to call them ambitions. <laughs> of course you would. It seems to me that you would love to be in cahoots with this going bandit. Well, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows. And do you have a bedfellow here, Bardish? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If you were actually bringing some clout from the capital, I might have an opinion that I could share with you. And if you were Chester's flunky, I might have an opinion I'd share with you. But you 
are a nobody. So Chester's going to be around here to bust you out, uh, make you think he's a nice guy, you know, the usual, win your loyalty over. And he's probably going to walk through that door any minute now. I will sit here and wait then for Chester to bust out his flunky with clout. <laughs> All right. And with that, you hear the door open, and Conbardisha is right on cue. So we will cut over to the bar. Creedon, you are hanging out with Melbourne Gray Street. Melbourne turns out to be a fairly exciting storyteller, and the drunker he gets, the more suspect these stories get. They probably only started 90% true. But they're definitely down to like thirty percent true. Hmm. What what kind of stories? They started off with basic things, teaching Kaima how to fish, growing up in Highlock. At this point he's telling you about the time that he nearly killed the Hydra of the Damned of the North, using nothing but a hairpin and a toothpick. That's uh pretty impressive. Yeah, it is very impressive. A few of the things he've said are literally impossible. He seems to be really enjoying himself. When in walks a guardsman who scans the room and walks over towards you, stops and kind of leans in to whisper into Melbourne Gray Street's ear. Melbourne Gray Street has been drinking enough that he shouts back at the guard at a way too loud volume. Somebody was in my house. Oh, the rascal. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. He stands up and says, come on. Come on, you gotta see this. Oh, yeah. We gotta go make sure nobody stole anything from my house. For sure. I mean, you could take them out with just a toothpick. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't even need to do that crap. No, no, it's probably just some dumb ruffian. Sounds about right, although I haven't seen many ruffians around these parts. It's, it seems like a pretty uh, pretty prosperous town. Well, I mean, there are ruffians. They come and go, but uh, they mostly guard the caravans. Come here, let me, let me tell you about the time I... Uh, I dunked a caravan guard in a barrel and rolled him down the river. Ooh. See, <laughs> so you get to Melbourne Gray Street's house, and guard is standing there. He opens the door for Melbourne. Melbourne walks in, looks around, and goes, Nope, everything looks in order. Nothing's taken. You can let the little shit go. And the guard says, Are you, are you sure? I mean, they, we caught him climbing through your window. Your door was even unlocked. And Melbourne's like, <laughs> Don't worry about it. Kids will be kids. Yeah, it was probably, you know, some some kind of teenage prank. Kids these days. Anyway, you gotta you gotta love them. They grow up to be, you know, upstanding citizens. All that jazz. I'll leave y'all alone for the night because I'm I've drank a little too much and I need to take a nap. Y'all have a wonderful evening. And he sort of shuffles you back out the door. I will shuffle out and try to, I, I guess, walk towards wherever the jail but i don't know where the jail would be but it's too suspicious to ask this guard's he heading straight there actually so you can just tail him oh yeah i'll do that meanwhile xeris you're taking in the night sights it's a pretty chill place there's not a lot of business going on right now so a lot of people are drinking more than they should it's a little more ruckus than you think it normally is What's Zerus doing to kill an hour? It's a good question. I think I would eventually end up at another bar, one that seems a bit more militant. 
you can find a place called the mess tent. It is not a tent, nor is it a mess, but <laughs> that's the name of the bar. And when you come in, the officers are mostly doing the drinking, but you actually see Captain Lav, who you met earlier, <laughs> hanging out in the back with a couple of his officer buddies chatting. They seem to be drinking very lightly, generally speaking, but they seem to be drinking nice things. Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll approach Paladin Lav. Lav says, hey, it's our uh, illustrious capital support here. Come on, have a seat. Have a seat. It was, uh, what was it? Zeris? Zir- That's correct. Zeris. How are you this evening? All right. Yeah, yeah. Have a seat. Have a seat. Everybody meet Zeris. Zeris is here to help out with that whole um, gull wing crap. And the, the rooms just sort of nods. Don't seem that interested in this. What uh, What's the story there? You've been just looking at it too long? Honestly, we've been told not to be too interested in it. Uh, our job is to fight beasts that come out of the thorns. We're real good at it. It's uh, not our job to hop in boats and ford the swamp waters. Chester's kept us here. If you're not supposed to look at it, why ask the capital? <sighs> well... Somebody's got to look at it. I'm just not allowed to leave town, and so I'm belittling the problem for fun. Ah. But uh, here, let me order you a drink. You get a glass of wine. This is lovely. Thank you. So, tell us, Zerus. Got any any leads? Got any big plans? No big plans yet. Still trying to uh, get the lay of the land, so to speak. All right. All right. Well, let us know if you need anything. We are interested in justice wherever it goes. Any insight you might have at this moment would be great. Uh, I can tell you Chester's been taking a lot of meetings. Everybody's invested in getting this thing solved. Mercenaries, lock operators, bodyguards, merchants. I mean, a lot of meetings. Why would Chester be interested in bodyguards? He worried the bandit might take his take his show off the lock? Well... Apparently, this bandit has said some things in the course of his banditry that has Chester feeling targeted. All right. What do you think about that? I'll tell you, people have their opinions about Chester, right? Like, he doesn't live like a soldier anymore, despite being and professing that he's a soldier. Well, I mean, maybe a retired general. <laughs> yeah. But what what I can tell you is the man the man keeps the peace and i i can respect that you know there's a certain kind of law and order that is maintained because chester is who chester is so we try and do the best we can and you know chester's pretty good about making sure everybody around him likes him that said i think i think um this gullwing bandit problem is he's not taking it seriously but uh, i mean business shut down entirely what What's not to take seriously? I mean, I think if he took it seriously, he would rally the militia and send us into the swamp to kick some ass. Huh. But he doesn't. Why not? Is he is he just worried about the, the problems here in the city? According to Chester, you use your chess pieces for what they are strongest at. And we fight monsters to the north. But does he play chess? Uh, kind of. <laughs> he owns like a really fancy gold chess set. I've never seen him actually play with it. Oh, well, I happen to enjoy a game of chess myself every now and then. Challenge Chester to a game next time you see him. You might even get to use the gold set. I just might do that. There is a loud thump on the closed shutters of this bar. The shutters rattle vigorously. Then there's another thump and the shutters rattle. 
one of the guys at the table over by the window kind of reaches up and opens the shutter. And this raven, this giant blackbird, comes flapping into the room. Drinks are falling everywhere. <laughs> There's stuff rolling off the table. Yeah. People are like, why the hell did you open the window? You know, And this bird takes off in the middle of this room and lands on your table, Cirrus. Sure, I'll, I'll put up my arm. It hops up on your arm. Well, I appreciate your hospitality, but it looks like I'm needed elsewhere. The bird looks at them and just lets off this terrific screech. <laughs> Good night, y'all. I'll see you later. And I just stand up and walk out. Finish my wine and put it on the bar as I, will, as I leave. You head out and the, the bird is definitely pointing you in a direction. Like it keeps trying to get your attention and then aim its nose down the street. Yup, we'll find out what happened. Let's go, Sadie. So Chester walks in and says, Khan, Lieutenant Khan, Khan Bardish, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. You know what? You're doing such a good job. You take the rest of the night off. And Khan says, okay. Thank you, Chester. Can I do an insight check on Chester's opinion of Bardish? Sure. That's not great. That's a 12. You get the sense that Chester is in a, a winning friends and influencing people mood, mm. and he's not going to be slowed down by anyone, and he has just given Khan Bardish the night off. Mm. Bulane has been sitting very primly and calmly the entire time. Like, she's not exuding any upset over being arrested or anything like that. She's just been waiting. Khan will walk out, leaving just Chester standing next to the the lock he pulls a set of keys out from his own pocket and undoes it and says all right Boulain, you know here's the thing i love that you're here to help that spa deal still on the table but you got arrested in like an hour and a half like what the hell <laughs> she stands up and she she walks out and she says i thank you for coming to get me chester i assure you there has been a grave misunderstanding. <laughs> that's a, That was a pun, right? I caught that. Yeah. I'll tell you what. That's cool. Grave misunderstandings happen. Just, you know, try to, try to not get arrested. I mean, it's not a good look. I fully agree with you, and I'm rather bad in that situation. You have good guards, Chester, in your town. You should reward them. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> I'll uh, thank them for their service. Let them know it was a misunderstanding. I've got it all cleared up. I'll also let him know that I'll I'll send a full report up to the Capitol. <laughs> he laughs and sort of claps you on the shoulder and says, "Whatever is in it, I don't I don't really care. You solve this problem, I'll look out for you. You look out for me." Understood. And he kind of walks you over to the door and says, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for somebody else to come by and uh, I'll hold down this fort here for the evening. You know, take a take a shift, build morale." Uh, you are very diligent in your duties as the mayor. Chester. Hey, man, we are—we just we got to look out for each other. That's what it's all about here. It's what Highlock is all about. Mm. And he opens the door to gesture you out of jail. She will walk outside <laughs> and look around for maybe a black raven and some friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody seems to have, have coalesced on the street. A guard scowls at you as he walks in, but seems to be content with the outcome. And you're all back together. Sadie seems to think you had an interesting evening. Uh, it has been interesting, yes. I 
I believe there was a grave misunderstanding. <laughs> she holds she holds her arm up for Sadie. Sadie hops up on your arm. I never thought you would be the type to have grave misunderstandings. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> Who would have thought? She says, let, let us walk a bit. I have some things to share. Perhaps find a room for the evening? That might be wise. Yeah, let's go. There are lots of inns. The first two you go to have caravan guards like stocked up in them, so it takes a trip or two, but you can find one and get three rooms without a problem. So I guess we'll go up to one of our rooms and Elaine will sit down and she will she will take out of a hip pocket a very small flask and unscrew it and take a drink of what's inside and she will offer it to Zerus. I'll take it. Hey, what about me? Well, you're, you get a turn too. It is okay. Elvish whiskey. Sip lightly. So what did you discover in there? Well, the trap door did not lead to a tunnel, as I initially expected it to, but there was a set of small living quarters down there and a shrine to the mask. Interesting. And then I got caught. Caught? I thought it was a misunderstanding. It was absolutely a misunderstanding. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I had a great time with Melvis, Mel, Melbourne. That dude tells some crazy stories. <laughs> no. I'd grab the flask and take a swig of it. I mean, yes, I have been, but not as much as he did. Did he disclose anything interesting? He killed a hydra with a toothpick. You know, I think maybe we should talk to him about that hydra problem. He could be a valuable asset. <laughs> oh, I also met Khan Bardish. Oh. Our friend Kaima's stick in the mud. He seems full of bravado and ambition on his own right, and I suspect he really does sympathize with our bandit. What did he say? He says that the lock is run by the Thieves Guild, and the entire protection fee is a racket, and that the bandit seems determined to change that. He also seemed fairly certain that Chester is in on the Thieves Guild racket. Huh. I would concur with Kaima's suspicion that he might be in contact with the bandit. He may even be the van bandit. I have to say, he doesn't seem like the bandit type. Maybe the mind behind it, but... He, he would not seem that way, perhaps, but... I doubt he gets his hands dirty. It does seem like there is a lot surrounding the bandit that is not as it seems, so that would not surprise me. I would suggest, Creedon, if you ever talk to him play up your importance from the capital. He seems impressed with power. I was going to say, I think maybe we should talk to him again in the morning. Seems like a pretty neat guy. And could maybe get us in with the the full swing bandit guy. <laughs> Do you need to go to sleep? <laughs> no. <laughs> sleep is for the week. We should definitely talk to at least Birdie tomorrow before making any plans. Agreed. I wouldn't mind a conversation with Khan myself after that. Just sound important. He'll, he will probably tell you <laughs> something. <laughs> Why is that? He seemed concerned about whether I was a dupe of Chester's or whether I was clout from the Capitol. I assured him I was neither, and that left him thoroughly unimpressed. You, you know what I don't get? Like, we were sent here to take this job from Chester. I feel like this dude would probably be fired pretty quickly for just telling any old person hired by Chester 
that he's against Chester. I don't know. It just seems it seems like he's a little forward. That's kind of strange. Like, why would he disclose that to you so quickly? That is strange, isn't is it not? I do not have that answer. Perhaps we can find him in the morning and you could ask him yourself. Yeah, very interesting. Very. I think we have a couple of things to do in the morning and then some setup for our trip down the river. Quick out of character question. Is worshipping the mask illegal? I think we discussed this, but I always forget. No, worshipping the mask is not illegal. The polite way to worship the mask is to think of him as a god of youth and self-reliance. The impolite way to worship the mask is to think of him as a a god of overturning the status quo. And the part that's illegal is believing that mask is not a god, but some sort of cabal of people who believe that the gods shouldn't actually be worshipped. It does seem suspicious that the bandit is trying to change the status quo here, and Melbourne, who would to all appearances want to maintain that status quo, is worshipping the god of change. I'm wondering if perhaps he's in cahoots with the going bandit himself, because somebody running a racket and living in a palace on a hill isn't exactly what a worshipper of the mask would be into. More more reason why I'm concerned about illusions. I, I don't think I can do too much with that. Then I will have to dispel them with my axe. That's an also a valid solution. I feel like if we can ask questions first before we cut people down, if the Thieves' Guild is running a racket here, that is also a wrong. Agreed. We are completely agreed on that. <laughs> and if this person is trying to, to use Bardisha's word, fight fire with fire, perhaps the methods are not great, but maybe they bear some talking to and hearing out. So far, there are several guilty parties here mm. that I'm keeping track of. and I am sure that you are. It sounds like Bardish can help assess who is who. I have little doubt that he is on a side here, so we should go with care on that, on what he tells us and what we believe. Regardless, it sounds like perhaps this, this Gullwing Bandit can be reasoned with. It, it seems like maybe they aren't just your common thief. I have to imagine if you are in the position of a racket and a mayor who is in on that racket, there might be few options that you see available to you to implement change. And perhaps they are implementing the change in the way that they can see how. Well, we will gather some more information in the morning and then probably set out to meet this bandit ourselves. Yes, we will. I bid you all a good night. Thank you for coming to see me out of jail. Creighton's already lightly snoring on the bed. Creighton, you have a dream. Ooh. Uh, very, very quickly, you find yourself in this massive field of full-bloom poppy and sunflowers, just in all directions. Just this beautiful green summer day. In the distance, you see one sunflower kind of stretch out of this meadow. A frond sort of gestures you towards it. Yeah, yeah, I go for it. <laughs> Creedon, this was the only way I could send you a message. Are you prepared to hear it? Oh, it's you. Okay, well... Yes, I am. Look, I'm really trying. I know that I messed up with 
the making that one woman smell a little funky. But I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm sure she will find her path eventually. But I'm here to give you a warning. You are about to encounter another one of my protégés. Oh. Like you, they personified a god, but like you, that god did not return their love. That god did not grant them its power. And like you, I have given them a second chance. I have gifted them a weapon just as I have gifted you a weapon. I have granted my power just as I have granted my power to you. But I want you to do one thing for me. When you meet him, show no mercy. Oh, um, yeah, of course. I will, I will do that. How does, why, why would you want one of your followers taken out? Oh, no, this is not about taking out a follower. This is about ensuring that you both grow stronger. Oh, okay. So, like, don't, don't kill them then? No, you should fight like you mean it. You should fight like it is the end of your days. I will give him the same warning. Should you survive, you will be stronger. Should he survive, he will be stronger. And soon, at some point in the future, perhaps the gods that have turned their backs on the two of you will see the error of their ways. Well, I like that. I, uh, I definitely do want to get... Stronger, although I am a little bit wounded. I thought I was special. But, of course, you have others. <laughs> you are special, but you are not alone in your specialness. <laughs> Go forth. Spread love as he spreads passion. Of course, I will, I will do as you ask. This sounds like a winning combination. <laughs> we cannot hear... Yeah, we can't Robert. hear you, right? Robert. Went off. We needed to finish my dream sequence. I was asking if it was safe for me to put my headset back on. Oh, oh, yes, oh, you, oh you, did, you didn't want to hear that. Okay. I mean, no, that makes a lot of I heard, sense. I heard too much. And I was you like, heard, I'm out. You heard too much. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot know my dark secrets. <laughs> Your sunshiny secrets. I must do my dark bidding on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's somehow worse. Okay. <laughs> and that is the show for today. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson of My Pet Machine for our tunes and Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. Also, a thanks to Troy Christensen whose work is our inspiration from the original Hylock adventure, The Thieves' Challenge, published in the 90s. Will our heroes figure out the complex webs of allies and oppositions, or just do what they were told? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey.